the notion of identity and the teaching of no self gets collapsed and conflated sometimes. So no self is part of a teaching that includes impermanence and it includes cause and effect. It's emphasizing our interdependence. So identity is quite different. Like if we talk about our heritage or our race, that's quite different than talking about no self. When I began to take on this quest, I kept those things, race, sexuality, gender, as material to walk this path. Welcome to Mind and Life. I'm Wendy Hasenkamp. Today, I'm speaking with author, Zen priest, and Buddhist teacher, Zenju Earthland Manual. Zenju's work highlights how the various aspects of our identity can become fertilizer for growth on the path of spiritual and personal development. I spoke with Zenju in person back at the 2019 Mind and Life Summer Research Institute, where she was faculty with us at the Garrison Institute in New York. In our conversation, Zenju shares about her experience growing up in the Christian church and the questions it raised for her, and then her unusual path into Buddhism. And then we get into her work around identity, and we talk about identity versus self and also no self, the truth of interdependence and cause and effect, and what's known in Buddhism as the two truths, that is, relative and absolute truth, and how those frames can help us relate to our identities. Zenju also shares her perspective on bringing together spirituality and social justice, And we end with a discussion of how contemplative science can proceed in its efforts to integrate science and Buddhism. As always, if you'd like to learn more about Zenju's work, there's resources in the show notes for this episode, including this week, a podcast extra. These are additional clips from interviews that don't end up in the show for one reason or another, but we still want to share them with you. In this extra, Zenju talks about the deep meaning behind her rakasu, which is that bib-like garment that Zen teachers wear around their necks, and how it's a representation of her Dharma community. I think Zenju's work and perspective is a balm, and hers is a refreshing voice in this time where even the topic of identity often feels fraught. I so enjoyed having this conversation, and I hope you enjoy listening to it. It's my pleasure to share with you Zenju Earthland Manual. So I'm here with Sensei Zenjiro Earthland Manual. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Before we get into your work, I'd love to hear a little bit about the path that kind of brought you to where where you are today. It's a long one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did start off as a child um, being very inquisitive about life and death. Um, my parents made sure we went to church, so church was very... Um, prominent in our lives. And I wasn't a a type of child or person that believed everything was being said Mm -hmm. from the pulpit. And I had a lot of questions about what was being Mm. said, Um, especially when I would hear maybe certain people were being left out, like they couldn't be a part of God's world. Mm. And when I heard that, it actually hurt my heart, you know, and I didn't know what I was a child, so I didn't yeah. know what that meant, but I could I could feel um, when they said that we were the only ones that were um, going to heaven, 
I felt very sad about that, you know, because I knew people who weren't in the church that I love my friends and mm -hmm. relatives that it made me really sad. And then at, at one point I go, oh, that's why I should tell them they got to come to church and, mm -hmm. right. <laughs> and get baptized. Yeah. And, and then I realized that, no, that 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 can, that doesn't make sense to me that. And I would look around all the people walking around in the world. Mm -hmm. I, I was in Los Angeles being raised there. I'm just watching people walk around. I said, all these people, they're not going to get to go to heaven. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so, uh, so I always had questions about that mm -hmm. heaven and hell. Um, I loved the Bible, the things in them that I thought was poetry, but, mm -hmm. which I didn't know was poetry till later. But I really loved uh, reading it and listening to it. It kind of expanded my life in a way. I didn't see the Bible as some kind of rule book in the way that was being taught, but I did see it as uh, some deep philosophy. You know, mm -hmm. as a child, I would, didn't have these words for it, but I, I felt it in myself and I felt myself um, being a thinker, mm -hmm. um, philosophizing mm -hmm. about it, and then wanting to tell everybody about it. Like, it was quite natural for me to want to discuss it. And so I would beg my mother to take me to debates. They had these debates between the different ministers and oh, the wow. different traditions. That's interesting. Uh, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, a lot of people don't know about that. And yeah. they didn't, they don't think they do that anymore, but they did at my church. And that was powerful for me. So I got to hear the, the contradictions arise and I got to hear um, our ministers speak back to what other ministers were saying. So I, I think it was important. I love going to the revival meetings because they were outside and I love the smell of hay. And this <laughs> <laughs> being outside was just wow. <laughs> and um, I think that's when I actually, for the first time, stood up and asked a question. Uh -huh. I didn't stand up, actually, I wrote it. They asked us to write it on a piece of paper, your question. And then when they called the question, then you would uh -huh. stand up. Do you remember the question? That yes, I asked um, if Cain and Abel were the first people, uh -huh. you know, first, of course, men in the world. Yeah. And, uh, you know, then there was Eve. Then how did they get married and how did they, you know, go from there? How uh -huh. did they, <laughs> good you know, question. to create more children, yes. right? <laughs> I wanted to know the, the rest of the lineage, yeah, you yeah. know, of these great relatives mm -hmm. that lived in Eden. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> And so I wrote it. I wrote yeah. it. I think I was about 10 and 10. 11 headed toward wanting to be baptized. Mm -hmm. um, so they, I didn't know if my question would get chosen because there's a lot of cards. So it did. It mm. got chosen. He picked it up. He read it. And he said, oh, he threw it away. Oh. He threw it back in the basket because I think he thought, he probably thought it was an adult because um, I spoke as an adult uh -huh. <laughs> when I was younger. Yeah. And um, that somebody was being uh, facetious uh -huh. you know, about about the, uh, not a serious question right. about life, but from a child's perspective, it was a sure. serious question yeah. about life. Yeah, like you yeah. thought it was somebody trying to poke a hole uh -huh. probably into the story of the beginning of mankind. Right. Mankind. Yes. And so, <laughs> and so I was, when he read it, I got so excited. I yeah. remember like this big smile, my heart yeah. was going boom, right. boom, boom, boom. Right. Like, oh my God, I'm going to talk. <laughs> and uh, my parents didn't even know I wrote it. Uh-huh. And I jumped up, I was getting ready, and he threw it into the basket, and I sat down, and I just felt, um, I mean, I didn't stand up all the way. He uh -huh. didn't know it was me. Yeah. 
my heart sank. Mm, yeah. And, and I think probably, you know, something in, in there probably was the beginning of me actually being more inquisitive about them. What is this? Mm -hmm. You know, what is this that we're doing? And, you know, it hurt. I was a kid. Yeah. You know? So that was, I think, a time when I felt like I, I, I wanted to have dialogue about religion. And um, I didn't know the word spirituality mm -hmm. then, but religion and God and, you know, life and death. Yeah. Wow. And so then how did you um, come into Buddhism? Buddhism, you know, at first I heard about Buddhism. I was in a shopping mall and... Uh, <laughs> So the Soka Gakkai is a lay organization from Japan that was bringing Nishin uh, Buddhism uh -huh. to communities of despair. So I was in a you know black community is at the shopping mall. I never get to go into the store because I was always a problem when I was <laughs> pulling out what I wanted for uh -huh. the groceries. So my mother would just oh, leave yeah. me and my younger sister <laughs> in the car uh -huh. with my dad. And so um, I think I was. Actually, my dad had taken a little walk somewhere and left us, and mm -hmm. I was—I had gotten out the car and was mm -hmm. standing there. It was summertime, and this person walked up to me and was talking to me about Buddhism. Oh, my gosh. You know, and I was like, that sounds just like what I might want to do. Huh. You know, and it just sounded interesting. It was something different. I mean, and then I never heard about it again. Mm -hmm. I would hear friends talk about it. And it's this practice called shakabuku where they would just talk to strangers hmm. in um, in a mall mm -hmm. or any place about the practice. And so at 11, basically, I was shakabuku. <laughs> and then, <laughs> let's see, I I grew older, and a lot of my friends were in that tradition. In Nishin, the Buddhist tradition? The Nishin mm -hmm. Buddhist uh -huh. tradition. And they were shakabuku, and they would always shakabuku me, shakabuku me, <laughs> trying to get me to come. <laughs> And it just didn't. At that time, I was practicing some African religions too. Uh -huh. I had trying to trying to. I was searching because uh -huh. you know, I was kind of you know leaving the Christianity. I, yeah, I had walked that walk. Yeah, um, not completely still in me, but leaving it as a, a daily practice. Mm -hmm. This was as a teenager. Yeah, yeah, around teenage. And so then, um, but I stayed. You know, I stayed in the church mm -hmm. about. Let's see, when was Africa? African religion came in, in my twenties. I started like moving away a little bit from the church because uh, it felt too restrictive for me, for who I felt myself to be. Mm -hmm. uh, how was I going to be free mm -hmm. and be this kind of Christian? I knew there were different kinds. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that, but I wasn't sure about them because I didn't know anybody who was any, anything right. else. So then 20, then 30, these two friends came to me about um, Shakabuku, another Shakabuku mm -hmm. again. <laughs> I said, here we go with that again. And I was like, they said, you got to come to a meeting because that's what you have to do. So I came to a meeting and, um, you know, they, why well, I, I should say I just didn't come. I was hard. I was, a, it was a push. Uh -huh. They said, come because I wanted to go out to eat. Let's go to, <laughs> let's go someplace and eat. And they said, but first we're going to the meeting. You have to go to the meeting first. Oh, hungry and at so, the meeting. Yes. Yeah, so I said, okay. I was so hungry. <laughs> I went to the meeting uh -huh. with them. I was starving. <laughs> and um, it was interesting. It had an effect on me in a way that I, I wouldn't say it was good or bad. It was very neutral. It was like I was looking around, I was looking in their faces to see if they had been, hmm. you know, drank the Kool-Aid, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of feeling. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I just kept listening, you know, to it. And then they said, would you like to join? 
on your first yes, on night. The first night, wow. would you like to join? And I was like, um, hmm. And uh, they said, well, how about for 30 days? Try it for 30 days. <laughs> like <a> trial membership. <laughs> <laughs> and then I get a refund. <laughs> <laughs> right. Free cancellation. Try it for 30 days. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you know, just to say, so we could go and eat, <laughs> right. right? Let me get these beads and this little book and uh, we can go and eat. And we did. I went and ate, uh -huh. had my beads, got home. I had a roommate and uh, he came to the door. He said, where were you? And I said, I was at this, this meeting, mm -hmm. you know, um, Nisha and you know, I said, I got these bees in this book. He said, oh, well, that's where I'm going tonight. I'm oh going around gosh. the corner to this other meeting. I was like, oh, my God, they got all of us. <laughs> it's all around you. So it was like, oh, no, my God. So <laughs> anyway, um, I stayed for 15 years. Wow. So <laughs> a lot more than 30 more days. More than 30 days. Um, before that, though, I did ask a friend to um, come with me to make sure I wasn't you know, joining something mm -hmm. that would hurt me because mm -hmm. I was, it just didn't make sense to me too much, but I felt something hmm. about it, mm -hmm. you know, that it was something I should take for mm -hmm. 30 days. Yeah. So what about it do you think made you want to stay? Um, I began to read uh -huh. mostly that I got my own books and I started reading um, the about Buddhism and who the Buddha was because I would hear about the word Buddhism and the word Buddha but I, it wasn't of interest because I, I knew God, so I didn't mm -hmm. really wasn't interested. But when I read those words, some of the teachings, my heart opened back up from that time when my heart shut down when I knew everybody wasn't going to mm -hmm. heaven. I got very sad and grieved. And when I read Buddha's uh, teachings, my heart opened again and I could feel the love that I felt. I should have been feeling at church. Mm. And so I always tell people I found God in Buddha. Right. That that's what I wanted. That's what yeah. I wanted to feel, to be, uh, to belong, everyone to be together, and part of each other. You know, I knew that that must be true, and it must be a way. And um, being a child that was mistreated in school because I went to uh, all white schools mm. mostly, so de what they call desegregated schools mm -hmm. at the time. You know, I was part of the the baby boomers that got hit with that. Right. And so um, I needed something that was going, that would speak more about everyone, you know, as opposed to this going to heaven mm -hmm. uh, situation yeah. <laughs> that I didn't understand. So I think that's what it was. I just heard it. I heard the love. Yeah. They say God is love. Well, and there may not be a God in Buddha, but there is love. Right. And so if that is, then God's there for me. Yeah. God is there in Buddhism. Yeah. So in Buddhism, we often hear a lot about the self and identity, and these things are often framed as problematic um, or things to be moved beyond or transcended. Uh, but in your work, you have embraced identity, things like race, gender, sexuality, as a path towards freedom or peace or liberation. 
Can you discuss how you view the self and identity? I think what happens, let's just bring this out, is that the the notion of identity and the teaching of no self uh, gets collapsed and conflated Mm -hmm. sometimes. So it's not necessarily a teaching that comes together. You know, but people in this country, because we have so much stuff around identity, it gets collapsed. Right. So can you make the clear distinction then between self, or at least the Buddhist notion Mm -hmm. of self, and Mm -hmm. what we would normally think of as identity? Yeah. So they say there's no self. So let's go right Mm -hmm. to it. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Rather than go all around Mm -hmm. that one. And so no self is part of a teaching that includes... um, two other teachings that are left out, and it it includes impermanence, and it it includes cause and effect. Mm -hmm. Nishran really, um, the the Nishran practitioners study cause and effect deeply, along with the Lotus Sutra. So I learned a lot about cause and effect. Is that also what is referred to by karma, or is there? Yes, I think karma is in there because Mm -hmm. there's action, and karma means action. So yes, it's involved. Uh, impermanence, we all know mm-hmm. about a lot. Everybody can talk about impermanence. Yeah. So no self is part of that. And they're called the three seals or the three marks mm-hmm. is what they call, they're called. And so no self in that context just means there's no self in and of itself. It's, it's, it's emphasizing our interdependence mm-hmm. and emphasizing the interrelationship that I yearned for when I was in the Christian church. Mm. You know, that that being together, that we're we, there's no way, no matter what race or, you know, gender or whatever, or even that we're human, that we're separate from a tree. Right. Mm-hmm. We kind of know this. We've heard these things. Mm-hmm. So the core teachings of Buddhism is uh, a Buddhist teachings, I would say, because Buddhism can be a whole nother thing, sure. too. But Buddhist teachings yeah. is going to be one thing. Yeah. And that is that the no self is it's full of us. You know, it's filled with us. It's not vacant. And mm-hmm. the word no doesn't mean vacant. It's talking about no distinction, maybe, mm-hmm. but um, but not in the sense that we think empty. So people go around trying to not be a self. Right. This can be the difficulty with the term emptiness. Right. And yeah. so that, but empty is full. Yeah. It's formed. So the, the enzo. And that's the circle. That circle that everyone loves. And we see yeah. it's so beautiful. Yeah. One breath, you make it with one breath. And that Enzo represents the fullness of emptiness. It's the form of emptiness, mm. the breath. You know, so it's very beautiful to see it in form, emptiness mm-hmm. in form. So no self. So as we're speaking right here, you're interviewing me and I'm the interviewee. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that is the, the, the conditions right now that we're dependent upon together mm-hmm. in a relationship right now in this moment. Mm-hmm. So that's why you're no self and I'm no self. Because when we get up and I go out there, I'm just a participant. It's different. Yeah, yeah, walking. The conditions have changed and now I'm participant. So when I go out the door, I'm not an interviewee. So identity is quite different. Like if we talk about our our heritage or our race, that's quite different than talking about no self, which is the, our, our interrelationship as as living beings, not even just as humans, 
but as living beings. So when you get to identity, and we're t when we're talking about our identity, we're not really talking about the identity of an alligator, you mm -hmm. know, even though we're related to an alligator. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we're not really talking about that in this country mm -hmm. when we're talking about the right. struggles and the turmoil of systemic oppression. Mm -hmm. So when I began to uh, take on this quest uh, of Zen, I took it on with holding on to what they said, let go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They said, let go of the identity, don't cling to it. Right. You know, maybe it's not because you're black. Maybe mm -hmm. that's not happening because mm. you're queer. It's not happening because of these things. Mm. It's happening, you know, period. Dun. You put the period on that. It's happening, period. Uh -huh. I understood that. Of course. Yeah. Of course. And then I came upon the greatest teaching, <laughs> which they don't teach much in the world. They teach the four noble truths, but they rarely teach the two truths. And the two truths is relative and absolute, yes, right? right? So the relative and absolute truth, and they're not separate. Right. Right. And this is essential for the self Exactly. Issue. It's yeah. essential to identity. Right. Because we're embodied. Mm -hmm. So right. if you're if you're trying not to say like ha I I I understand I'm having an illusion or my mind is deluded mm -hmm. so let me see if I can try not to be deluded or you can't mm -hmm. you can't right. do it but however that doesn't mean you can't have an experience of it you know right I don't know if you've seen the, this movie everyone's talking about I mentioned it called uh, When They See Us what if someone went to those young men and said, you're having an illusion, there's no body, and mm -hmm. how would they be able to explain their experience? Because right. that doesn't work in the midst of the suffering that we have. We have to take on the fodder, take on the right. material matter, the relative matter, mm -hmm. so that we can use that, not not get marred down in it. I'm not, I don't believe that yeah. dwelling in it and prolonging our depression or our woundedness or any other thing like that, I'm not saying that. Mm -hmm. But I feel the gateway is through our embodiment. Mm -hmm. You know, it is through who we are. It doesn't have to be just race. I just started with race because that was yeah. where my turmoil mm -hmm. are. That's number one for yeah. me. And then sexuality or gender and then class and on and on yeah. and on and on. Uh, disability, all of that is part of my life. And so I kept those things as, as material, as, like I said, as fodder, as fertilizer yeah. to walk this path and to keep it moist and keep it juicy, you know, so to just get rid of it would have been very dry, very dry path. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there, there's a reason we were given a body and, and then there's a reason we're being introduced to spiritual paths. And so why not bring it all mm -hmm. to the path? Mm -hmm. so that we could use it. Mm -hmm. Now, I've gotten some feedback from all traditions, not just Buddhist traditions, um, African religions, people who are practicing Ifa and um, Kondomble and all of these other, our, our Sundance, uh, Lakota Sundance, mm -hmm. Native American practices that have come to me who have read this book and are happy because it doesn't happen in those realms either because we think spirit is out there. Right. And you're where is it? in the body. Yeah, where is it? Is it out there? It right. hanging out around you? Okay, that could be also a paradigm or perspective, and mm -hmm. it could be real. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm not even dashing that. Mm -hmm. But right here, when where I'm working from, you know, from the Buddhism, you you have to use your body in order to understand um, 
the the practice in order to meet harmony, in order to meet compassion. Those mm. are experiences. I don't believe we have to become compassionate. Mm. Don't become compassionate. Mm. I don't believe you become loving and kind. Mm. I think you meet those experiences because they're already there in you. I see. They're already there. Yeah. You just can't. You're, you're, you're having difficulty meeting Accessing that them, yeah. with yourself and others mm -hmm. and everything else in the world. So you're learning when we're breathing, we're connecting. Mm. We're not trying to become something. We're just meeting those experiences and the breath is teaching us yeah. how to meet it. So to me, when, in my practice, I experienced holding on to that identity because I'm stubborn. I held on. I didn't let it go because I, I wanted to see what with the Dharma, how would it speak to the life I had lived of yeah. prolonged mistreatment? Yeah. Because if it could address that, you know, then then I don't know where. But right. I began to see just in silence. Like I didn't write that book like the first soon as I got into Zen. Sure. I wrote that book 20 years later. Yeah. After I walked the path. Well, like 18 yeah, years. Yeah. Walk the path and see what would open up. Yeah. What would I discover? I shared it. I was very afraid to share it. That book made mm. me very afraid. I was like, I couldn't sleep wow. when it got published. I Is it like not... a vulnerability? Yeah, yeah, I couldn't sleep for a long time. I didn't wow. know if they were going to kick me out talking about hold wow. on to your identity. Yeah. And th that the identity were the gateways, mm -hmm. that, our, that our embodiment is the gateway. Even if they say there's really no body, there's no self, there's no... At the I, ultimate level. I understand yeah. that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But we don't need to be convinced of that because when we're suffering... That's not the point. Right. So right. I've gotten a lot of people to open their eyes uh, in, in a different way, which was my point. I thought the conversation on race especially was getting stale. Mm. And I thought that now maybe now is the time to talk about it in the realm of, of religion, in the mm. spiritual world, because they're not talking about it anyway. Right. But I'm going to bring it and see if we can begin to make this conversation of the spirit world and religious world and the social justice world come together, because I have friends in both camps. Yeah. Sure. You know, so and, and in both camps, they probably, you know, have some view of me, you know, oh, she's she's a clergy. She's some kind of mm -hmm. priest. So she's not with us. And then... <laughs> You know, right. and then the uh, the the clergy priest like, oh, she's all about race, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> so yeah. she's not with yeah. us. But I'm going to continue to stay right here yeah. and see who will join me. Yeah, that's great. So where do you find um, that point of intersection between the spiritual path and the social justice work? You've talked about mm -hmm. um, also mm -hmm. serenity mm -hmm. and holding that, but also still... Yeah. Doing, doing the good work and fighting the fight. Yeah, it's yeah. not. It's, there's no difference in, yeah. in, in a lot. You you can study uh, Christian theology. Those who who have the activist component to it. I mean Martin Luther King. You know that mm -hmm. there's a lot of studies around social justice and the coming together of transformation and spirituality. I was thinking of a friend. My friend. Uh, Liza Rankow teaches uh, the teachings of Howard Thurman. You know, all mm -hmm. these people already knew this, and we already know that there is an integration. So to me, social justice is spirituality, mm. and spirituality is social justice, because there's, for me to be well, and, you know, let's go back to the little girl who is, has a question about Adam, you know, and Eve. Yeah. What what happened, you know, and 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 what are we going to do from the if say that Eden and all that mm -hmm. did exist, you know, let's hold on to that story. Mm -hmm. 
what happened? What what separated us from uh, the earth? Mm. What separated us from nature to make us think that the fight was over here and we had to fight a certain particular way or that we had to also do religion and spirituality in a certain way? Mm -hmm. Both of those to me have some kind of way, right? That you do. And I went, I did both. Mm -hmm. I did both of those ways. I don't, I was completely an activist and mm -hmm. still consider myself one mm -hmm. and completely, you know, clergy and, yeah. you know, so I think they meet at the place that they, they are, they're naturally and organically intersected because we are working on suffering mm -hmm. and alleviating it and easing it or eliminating it. And so when I see suffering and in our world and I write about it or uh, speak about it in an integrated way, mm -hmm. not just, so I'm rarely, oh, let's go fight right. or rarely let's just pray, mm -hmm. you know, um, or sit, you know, like a lot of my uh, friends want to just, let's go sit. But that's not necessarily an integration. That is mm -hmm. an action. Mm -hmm. And it's a valid action, but it's not an integration yet. Right. You know, so just because we're sitting there. So the integration we're still working at, it's very new. Mm -hmm. And it's, it takes a skill and a talent and, a, 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 and an attention in order to see where the intersection is around the suffering in the realm of both, not mm -hmm. just in the realm of, oh, this was a bad thing that's happening in the world, or oh, this was a, a you know, or oh, here's here's the opening. But I think there's a number of people who have the ability to to bring, to shed light on both, to make to acknowledge and recognize and bring forth the voice of justice, and at the same time bring God, Buddha, Allah, or would whoever, or just nobody, just nature, mm -hmm. you know, through mm. that voice of justice. Because if we could give back to that, you know, that's why we love the trees. That's why we come mm -hmm. home. We can't wait to get out to be, yeah. to be with ourselves, to be with us. Mm -hmm. We are the trees. Yeah. That's why we like, ah, oh, it reminds us, you know, yeah. we see water slowly dripping off the mm -hmm. tip of, which I saw the other day, water dripping one drop from the uh, leaf mm -hmm. out my window in the mist behind it on the mountain. That's us in here. Yeah. I feel the same way yeah. when I see that and I'm in here, I feel that. It's beautiful. That's the integration. have a couple minutes left, but I would love to hear your perspective. Um, we're here at the Summer Research Institute, and so uh, we're around a lot of academics and scientists and other researchers who are interested in studying these kinds of practices. Yeah. Um, I'd love to hear your perspective on kind of where the field should go, what kind of things mm -hmm. should be studied. I heard about Mind and Life Institute when Dalai Lama first came, mm -hmm. and I saw it promoted. And also, I think that um, I can say my first feeling was 
oh, no, they're taking it to science, Mm -hmm. you know. And then my other feeling was, oh, yes, why not? (laughs) Uh Because um, I feel where the field is now and what I'm listening to, I've only, you know, been here a few days. And I haven't read a lot of studies, so I'm going to, you know, claim that. Um, I did say when we were getting ready to come here, they had a faculty orientation. Mm -hmm. And um, I told them that I'm very scholarly, intellectual, and I can go there and I have Mm -hmm. a PhD and all these kinds of things. And I've done a lot of research on my own Mm -hmm. when I was a social science researcher. Mm -hmm. And I've worked for think tanks. And so I do understand this Mm -hmm. world. But at the same time, I told them I keep all that at bay. Because what I'm now doing is witnessing in a contemplative way of life. And I understand that some people need to have evidence of what is going on and have it explained. And so to me, if it's explained and discussed and having dialogue in many different ways about the same thing, I'm for it. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to do a movie, do a novel about it, write poetry about it, do research about it, it, and it all culminates to that place about what we're doing with each other and how we're living on this planet and how we're and engaging and not, or not being interconnected and not. I want to hear it. I don't care which way. You could do hip hop, talk to me, <laughs> do whatever way you're going to bring it, but bring it, you yeah. know, because I believe mm-hmm. in bringing it, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I, and I hear people bringing it from different places, yeah. from on all ages and yeah, and cross, gender cross, you know, race, everything. Yeah. I hear it, you know, so I'm, I'm part of that. And so that's what I, I have heard here yeah. and very excited. I think the dialogues can be more integrated. I would have loved to have been on stage when the presentation on um, illusion and, and, and yes. illusion and personhood and things that were being mentioned in self and the yes. absolute story. Yeah. Because I think that it's a real story. And it's uh, it's one that, um, you know, and I'm telling a story, too. I'm telling a story yeah. about uh, the relative meeting the absolute, mm-hmm. you know, that 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 it's that it, in, in the absolute going back, you know, that it's they're not even separate. They're just all together. There's no way of even meeting that. And and then how does one experience delusion, you know, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how it's all, it all comes together. I mean, I wrote an article for Buddha Dharma called, and I can't even remember the name of it, but it talked about that, mm-hmm. that uh, delusion and enlightenment that they mm, come yeah. together. Yeah. They're, they're partners. It's a tangle yeah. together. And they can't do that dance together, delusion and enlightenment without each other. Right. You know, and I didn't write that. Dogen did. And Dogen's, <laughs> Dogen Zenji is the founder of Soto Zen. Uh-huh. So not Zenju. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm, I'm of that thought in that school. We're all of thought, of some school of thought. Yeah, you know, yeah. Every, we're all right. thinking. Yes, and, <laughs> very much. <laughs> and so that's okay. If yeah. the thinking is in the direction of our liberation and freedom, mm-hmm. I am not against thinking at all. But let's <laughs> think it and let's talk about it. Yeah. And, and, um, and, and see what we can evolve to and, and bring and uh, and watch it and watch it evolve and flower through our children. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for mm-hmm. spending time with us today on the podcast. It's been really great to talk yeah. with you. Eric, thank you, Wendy. This episode was edited and produced by me and Phil Walker. Music on the show is from Blue Dot Sessions and Universal. Show notes and resources for this and other episodes can be found at podcast.mindandlife.org. If you enjoyed this episode, 
please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and share it with a friend. If something in this conversation sparked insight for you, we'd love to know about it. You can send an email or voice memo to podcast at mindandlife.org. Mind and Life is a production of the Mind and Life Institute. Visit us at mindandlife.org, where you can learn more about how we bridge science and contemplative wisdom to foster insight and inspire action towards flourishing. There, you can also support our work, including this podcast. <laughs>